Welcome back to another episode of Obsessed with Death. Thank you so much for continuing to listen and support the podcast. Today's episode is with a paranormal investigator and researcher. I, of course, have been wanting to do an episode like this for a while, and I thought it would be fun to maybe do some sort of like holiday haunted paranormal episode. Nicole is a great follow on Instagram. You could check her out at a haunted history underscore. We even put together a holiday sort of wish list if you're trying to maybe get into the world of paranormal investigation. So check out the episode, spread the word if you can. And, of course, I hope you had a great holiday, and uh, be safe out there for the new year, and please enjoy another episode of Obsessed with Death. Losing a pet is a terrible experience. It's a horrible reality that we're rarely prepared for. That's why CODA helps pet parents prepare for end of life and gives better options for memorials. With CODA, pet parents who are navigating their pet's end of life can find resources, guides, and modern memorial opportunities all in one place, such as jewelry, artwork, cremation stones, vase urns, and more. CODA also knows that thinking about end of life is hard, and talking about it is even more challenging. That's why they have created grief resources specifically for pet parents. CODA's blog answers all the questions that come up for pet parents in including the topics of pre-planning, end-of-life coordination, and more. For more information, go to lovecoda.com today. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am very excited to get into this conversation. If you wouldn't mind, maybe just like letting everybody know who you are and what you do and, uh, you know, anything you'd like to share with people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. It's truly a blessing. You have no idea. I love talking about the paranormal. So here we are. Um, like you said, I'm Nicole. I run a haunted history on Instagram where I talk about all things spooky. Um, I've been a paranormal investigator since I was 13 years old, but heavily involved way before then. Um, and yeah, I just, I love talking and giving an insight on the paranormal so i started my little instagram a few years ago and here we are well i that's how i found you was on instagram i i love your instagram immediately followed and you know i love everything that you post it's so interesting to start so young i mean 13 i guess you sort of start to find the your thing i guess teen, early teenage years you start figuring out the stuff that that you enjoy spending your time doing or investigating whatever that is uh before we get into that because i am curious about um you know starting at such a young age i just this is something i i love to ask everybody before we sort of get into the interview and i'm, I'm curious to hear you know what you have to say about this is 
I, I like to know what everybody's relationship with death is like. Obviously, it, it's a part of your world. It's something that you've you've spent a lot of time um, investigating and 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 working in the death world. But I'm just curious, on like a more personal side, do you think about death a lot? Are it, it, do, are you worried about it? Is it something that you know you think about every day, every couple of days? What is your relationship with death like? Yeah, honestly, I've been heavily involved with it since I was a little girl. Um, it started when I was six, losing my grandfather. Um, then I lost my mother when I was 11. Then my grandmother, then another grandfather. And it's kind of like a back-to-back situation where I've had a lot of deaths at such a young age. It just became kind of a focus in my life. Um, even my my parents were best friends with our um, local funeral director, and I would run around the funeral home when I was like seven or eight years old, you know, running around, seeing the morgue and where they do things and just kind of examining the, the little spots that funeral homes have. And I've just been very fascinated with death and losing so many people close to me at a young age. It kind of made me you know, grapple, like, what happens when we die? You know, do we stay here? Do we go to, well, a lot of people, you know, think heaven, or where do we go after we pass on? And it made me really put a focus on that at a young age. Do you think that because you were so unfortunate in the fact that to have to deal with that much death, such close death, so young, you know, I I can't imagine, I, I would assume that that must put a lot of pressure on you, Uh, on finding ways to deal with that grief. Do you feel like that might be why you sort of got so invested and and curious about the paranormal and paranormal and investigating um, because uh, of like almost a way to grieve and, and sort of help you get past all of that loss so young? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, my family isn't very open when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I had to find my way of learning what death is and learning to grapple with grief and find my own way with the grieving process of losing my loved ones. Um, So I had to go on my own on that journey. And that got me into wanting to learn about the paranormal. Can we contact our loved ones after they pass on? Or does our loved ones stay here? Um, You know, it's a question I've always wanted to know, um, because I guess deep down, you know, losing my mom at 11, my best friends, I I wanted to speak to her almost. And so I wanted to learn how I could do that. Um, So it was just my grieving process and how I process so many losses at such a short period in my life. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, you're just not equipped at that age to deal with that kind of loss and you really need something to sort of hold on to and help you get through it and it's amazing that you're able to at such a young age realize that this is the thing that's going to sort of help me deal with that grief i think you know obviously you're very lucky but you're you're very smart to to be especially being so young to 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 find that i mean i'm 36 years old and this is like the first year in my life where I've like actually experienced real loss, like of people that I genuinely care about. I've, you know, I've I, obviously I've lost like grandparents and stuff when I was younger, but that was 
very much something I was prepared for just because they were getting older and it was sort of apparent, you know, nothing was a surprise. So I, I, I couldn't imagine that. What were sort of some of the first things you started doing when once you, you realized this is an interest of yours and something that's going to sort of help you with the grieving process? How, how did you get started in the process of paranormal investigation? Absolutely. When I was six years old, right after I lost my grandfather, um, we started having instances at his house um, where lights would turn on and off. His bedroom door would open and shut on its own. There was like a little um, light that he had, um, like a little nightlight he had in his bedroom, and it would turn on and off all the time, constantly. And I would go in the bedroom, shut the door, and I would talk to him and be like, Grandpa, are you here? Like, turn the light on. And it was my first instance of like, oh, can he can he do this? Is this him that's doing it? Is he trying to tell us that he's still here and that he's okay? So when I was six years old, I had that rationale of like, maybe spirits can talk to us and manipulate objects to talk to us. So I started on that path and it just kind of spiraled from that, you know, using a Ouija board when I was a teenager. Um, And then I started, you know, getting my own technology per se um to be able to actually speak to to spirits in the other world i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because this is technically going to be our haunted holiday episode (laughs) which which i'm (laughs) i'm I'm so glad you're 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 a part of this you use the word technology i'm curious about that what were some of the first things you brought into your investigations Yeah, the first thing is I wanted to see if spirits could talk to us. So I just got like a little recorder, you know, like a a $10 one from Walmart. And I took it to a cemetery. And I'm like, if anyone's here, please speak into this for me. And I would just go around with my little. I love that reporter trying to get some voices. And um, it started with that just to see if I could catch something. I would yeah. use my camera, um, you know, there's two thousands camera and would like, you know, take pictures in the cemetery to see if I could catch a ghost. Cause I remember looking on online and YouTube back in the day and I had all these videos. I'm like, Oh, I want that. I need to catch a ghost like that. And so I would just randomly take pictures and cemeteries because that's where I started everything was just in my local cemeteries that were presumed haunted so I just went around all night and just started taking pictures (laughs) so okay um, my immediate thought goes to how scary that sounds (laughs) like I I am what what society considers a grown adult and I could not do I would I wouldn't be able to do that now if someone told me I had to get a recorder and go to a cemetery and try and catch recordings of spirits or ghosts. I don't even know if I'd be able to do it during the day. Like, <laughs> what, Do you feel like that, that, that fear just doesn't exist to you? Is, is the curiosity just overpower, overpowering any sort of fear or, or, or do you have any sort of genuine fear when you're doing something like that? I don't actually. It doesn't scare me at all. Um, I go to cemeteries day and night all by myself. I've gone to abandoned buildings and explored all by myself ever since I was a little girl. I've never had anyone with me. Um, And everyone asked me the same thing, like, Nicole, aren't you scared? 
And I'm like, no, because I'm more scared of humans than I am of ghosts. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't, oh. me. it doesn't phase me. I'll hear noises and I'm like, oh, what's that? And, um, you know, that typical person, you know, you see scary movies, let's go towards the noise, which is so bad. But that's yeah. me. I go towards the noise instead of going away because I want to know what it is. So I don't know if it's a Got good it. or bad thing, but... <laughs> Well, based on the movies, it's a bad thing. It, it, usually, is. <laughs> usually, it, is. <laughs> it usually doesn't go well. You seem to be doing okay, which I'm I'm happy about. What what you said, being more afraid of people than ghosts is hilarious to me and such a, a powerful statement in the sense that of yeah, of you're hundred percent right. People are way <laughs> scarier than like I guess the possibility of seeing a ghost or hearing something or someone trying to speak to you at a now of I mean they're both terrifying to me but I understand that that rationale of being like oh well people are way scarier because they are <laughs> they absolutely are uh that's so funny I love that I love that perspective uh you mentioned going to these like abandoned buildings is is there anything that comes to mind specifically a a, a, a specific building or or place that you've gone to where you really had not not it doesn't have to be like a if if there is great but like any sort of like life changing or perspective changing experience um when you were when you're going to these abandoned places oh yes absolutely there was this one on um, plantation home um right near where i live it's probably like 10 minutes up the road and i remember seeing it and i fell in love with it and i'm like i need to go into this house so i parked way down and i went in there and i remember walking in i'm like wow, this is what I want to do. <laughs> it was just the most beautiful thing. It was so run down, but I could imagine what life, you know, that was in this home at one time because it was such a beautiful home. Um, And I did it, you know, I went there several times after that, but the last time um, something felt different. Um, I can't explain it to you what like I can feel a lot of energy. So that's one thing I've always had since I was a little girl. And walking in there, it was like the energy shifted. It was very heavy. And that's what we say in the paranormal world. Like when you go into a space that is not necessarily, I wouldn't say evil or demonic. I never say those things, but it's something's there. And like the whole vibration was off. I did not go back. And it was like maybe two weeks after that, they actually tore down the home. Um, I'm not sure what happened in the house, but that was the first time that I was like, hmm, something, something's out here. Something that needs to be explored because this is not what I've experienced the last four or five times you know, I've been here. Yeah. So something definitely shifted, um, which made me really sad, but it was definitely life changing. It made me question of how, you know, if we can bring energies or our own vibrations into different spaces and change it. So I've been studying that ever since. You mentioned like evil and like demonic, and, and you seemed like you, you wanted to stay away from those terms. Is, is there a reason why have you experienced anything like that? Or is that just something that you just sort of want to keep at a distance? I wouldn't say keep at a distance. Um, it's not like I don't believe in it. I believe yeah. that there is definitely evil out there, but um, there's so much in the paranormal world, um, especially on TikTok and 
you know, the shows and there's a bunch of shows that it's like, oh, this place is demonic. This house is demonic. You know, demons this, demons that. And I'm like, yeah. you know, that's it's not okay because you're classifying something that is not true. You know, I don't see spirits as evil or demonic. There's nothing that suggests that at all. Spirits were once human. Sometimes they just want to be seen just like human beings they just want to be seen and so sometimes like humans they act out um so that's why you might get a lot of negative hauntings um it's just they're trying to speak to you and so not everything is demonic or evil not saying that is not out there um but not everything is like that and i just want everyone to stay away from those terms and not to think that oh that place is haunted and must be evil like that is not true and it's far far from it it seems like what you're saying is that a lot of the times if you do experience some sort of spirit or or experience like this it's it's most like and it feels sort of demonic or evil is it are you most likely just like miss understanding the situation 100 percent, and i think a lot of people misunderstand because they don't want to understand it um they want to just think oh this is a bad place this is a negative place do not yeah. come here it's like anything else you have to take the time to understand it and understand why it happens and that's why there's research and a lot of people don't take the time to research what these things are you know we think of ouija boards i'm a ouija board collector um i have over 40 ouija boards and they're in my bedroom they're on my wall and everyone's like aren't you scared ouija boards are evil and i'm like this is the media represents that because they want you to see that as evil when they're not you know it's it's only evil if you want to bring that evil if you are using it for something bad you know which there's people out there that would do it I'm not saying that but it's only evil if you perceive it as such it is I've never had any experiences with the Ouija boards that have been negative um they've only been very extremely positive I don't have any issues with mine and like I said I have my oldest ones from 1915 and then I have a modern day one and I've never had any issues with a single one this might be a silly question I, don't, I but I'm curious I think having collections of things is obviously very normal. People like to collect uh, certain things. It, it makes sense that with what you do and the life that you live, you're you would have a collection of Ouija boards. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that that's an absurd thing to hear from you. Um, but I'm still curious as to wh where that specific interest came from. Like obviously, there's many different things in the paranormal world that you could build a collection of. What was the reasoning behind? this collection of Ouija boards? Well, I've always loved them since I was little. Um, like I said, my first one was, you know, when I was probably about 13, I believe. Um, and I took one to the cemetery with one of my best friends and we used it. That's when I was like, oh, wow, I really like this. And I just you know, became obsessed with them. And I knew um, at a time that I wanted to start collecting them. So I just started building my collection over the past, what, four or five years, looking on eBay, Etsy, 
um, garage sales. Um, I had a friend pick one out from uh, Goodwill like a few weeks ago. And so I, you know, find them everywhere. Cause I just, I love them. And they're such a powerful tool in the paranormal community to be able to speak with spirits. Um, So I've just always been fascinated with them. It, you, you mentioned as a kid going again, just the bravery that I'm, that I'm seeing from you to be a child and go to, you're, you're going to graveyards and you're, you're bringing a camera and a recorder. Okay. That's fine. Now you're bringing Ouija boards to the graveyard. <laughs> It just it seems like you got bored and you're like, I got to step it up. And now we're going Ouija board. I, again, I understand this is just something you love and there's really no fear behind it. So I'm curious. Another aspect of, of that is you say you, you would go with a friend. The fact that you were able to find another person that also wanted <laughs> to do that at such a young age is incredible. But what was it like growing up th- that way, you know, in, in you know high school and even younger uh, did you feel like you you were lucky enough to meet a couple of people that you were able to form a little community of friends that were all into the same thing? Or did you do you feel like you were looked at differently because you were doing these types of things at that age? I just worry because or not worry, but I, I, I'm just curious because when you're that age, everyone's so impressionable. Everyone's judging each other. And, and I would just again, this is just uh, clearly me projecting a little bit but what was your thought process of what other people were thinking of you while you were doing this stuff especially so young I was very lucky to have a core group of people um that really supported me and really took all my shenanigans (laughs) (laughs) and they're still my best friends today um you know they they understood me and during this time was kind of beginning the heights of this, you know, the internet started taking, you know, a real hold on people. A lot of shows like Ghost Hunters first came out. And so a lot of people became interested, which was super nice. People would be like, oh, that's, that's really cool. And then some people would look at me different. But again, I had a core group and I was a theater nerd. Um, So I was already in a face anyways so yeah. it was like we're all kind of like the outcast of society <laughs> so anyways and so you know it wasn't too tough and I was very different back then um I kind of went along with I went to a very preppy school so I kind of went along I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister um I went along with what people were doing yeah. but had this kind of like other side to me that a lot of people also didn't know people ask like oh what's your interest I'm like horror movies and ghosts and they'll look at me like you wearing pink and Abercrombie and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) yeah well (laughs) yeah in in a a societal sense it's it's I I guess people look at that and they find it contradictory but what does it matter what clothing you wear why like I guess based off of movies and whatever there's that the culture they don't they just don't expect it right pink yes. and ghosts don't go together exactly. but, but, what, but what an odd thing that like society just creates right like why it can't is. you like pink and also be hanging out at a graveyard you don't have to wear there's it not a dress exactly. code for the graveyard 
<laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, I was friends with, you know, what you may consider the gothic crowd, um, the emo crowd, which was really popular. I was all friends with them. Um, I just didn't dress like that because I worked, you know, at Abercrombie. Um, so it's kind of like I was stuck in between. And it wasn't until um probably COVID was when I really took on I wouldn't say I'm not going to say persona because it's always been me but I you know started in the culture and started being who I felt inside ever since I was a little girl so it was kind of like a cathartic feeling I'm like okay now my interests match how I look (laughs) there's no disconnect there (laughs) and and you you don't think there was like any like a there wasn't a moment I mean you you obviously mentioned COVID but I can't imagine COVID was like the you know I think people's styles change obviously especially as you get older it was it's kind of everything you know I think when the world shut down um I really took a a long hard look at myself and like what do you want um I came from a very Christian family and I I knew that wasn't me you know um I knew I wanted to go a different route um I gave up a lot of family members during this time because I just we didn't see eye to eye and I'm like you know I just don't align with them anymore I remember wearing black one time to church um I was probably what 18 or 19 years old at the time, you know, a full adult. And my aunt, who was my mom's twin, um, she looked at me and was like, are you, are you turning gothic now? Like, if you do that, <laughs> you're going to hell. And oh I looked God. at her and I remember yeah. like, what do you even, what are you even talking about? And that kind of got implanted in my brain. And I think during COVID, it really, like, I did a whole switch. And I was like, you know what? I can't align with that anymore. I can't align with that mentality. I am who I am and that's okay. So I did do that switch and I started doing what I wanted to do. And that's when I really started my Instagram and really wanting to start blogging and diving into the history of haunted locations. Where do you think the success you know you have a you have a large following on instagram you you it's it seems like people really genuinely love you know the content that you're putting out and people are really interacting with what you're doing what do you think it is maybe specifically about yourself that people are connecting with on there because obviously there's there's a lot of that on on the internet but i think there's you know only really a select few of people that could genuinely get a real sort of interaction with people, especially with like this type of content. Do you think there's anything specific about yourself or what you're doing that draws people in? Um, I started talking about Appalachian folklore and history, which I have been born and raised in Appalachia mountains. And I started talking about that. And I think a lot of people were interested because they don't hear much about it. You hear everything from, you know, Salem, Massachusetts, Savannah, Georgia, New Orleans, like the most haunted places. But you don't hear about the history and lore of the mountains um, in southern Appalachia. So I wanted to share that. And it just kind of skyrocketed from there. But I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful every day because... I love sharing this history and it's amazing that I get to. Yeah. And I think at least from my perspective and and what I've seen and, and sort of what you, how you just answered that, I, I think people could tell 
when you're genuine and when you really do truly care about the thing you're talking about and and that you really do care about the importance of it and wanting to share it. And I think that draws a lot of people in too. you know, obviously I, not to, I, you know, I'm not bad mouthing anybody, but I think there's certain people on the internet. Sometimes you could tell that it's not really genuine and that they just sort of are trying to just capitalize on a certain topic or thing or whatever. And I think people are smart enough to sort of figure out who's genuine and who isn't. And you, I, again, just from even just us speaking now, you could really tell how much you genuinely care about this and you care about sharing and, and teaching people and, and exploring. So I, yeah, I think that has probably a lot to do with it as well. Losing a pet is a terrible experience. It's a horrible reality that we're rarely prepared for. That's why Coda helps pet parents prepare for end of life and gives better options for memorials. With Coda, pet parents who are navigating their pet's end of life can find resources, guides, and modern memorial opportunities all in one place, such as jewelry, artwork, cremation stones, vase urns, and more. Coda also knows that thinking about end of life is hard, and talking about it is even more challenging. That's why they have created grief resources specifically for pet parents. Coda's blog answers all the questions that come up for pet parents in including the topics of pre-planning, end-of-life coordination, and more. For more information, go to lovecoda.com today. Absolutely. And that's all I've ever wanted because you're you're correct and I've seen it and it is it's heartbreaking to be honest and it gives you know, a negative connotation to the community, which I don't like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here to share what I found my love and my passions, because this has been my love and my passion for pretty much my whole 36 years of life. I've always just wanted to share it and share a different side of things and not what you see on television, you know, the, yeah. the fakeness. And, you know, I, I don't want anyone to have a negative connotation about haunted locations and be scared to go to these places. Cause there's so much history to be loved at these places. And there's so much more. Um, if you just take the time and just listen and just be there, because all I say is like, if walls could talk, you know, you, you have to experience it for yourself and not be scared. It would would you recommend, are there certain places that you think if, if somebody's maybe looking to get into this world or at least maybe just experience something or people that like to travel to these locations, are, are there any places that come to mind that you would recommend uh, for people to start at or people, you know, best places for people to visit? Absolutely. I have a bunch. <laughs> yeah, please. I'd love to hear some. Oh my goodness. Um, my favorite, um, and it will always have my heart is St. Albans Sanatorium. And I share a lot about St. Albans because it's only 15 minutes from me. Um, it's so much history. It is a beautiful place that they're renovating and trying to keep it alive, but it has so much history and darkness and sadness to it and they do all sorts of tours you can just tour the building and just learn the history um you can do a flashlight tour where you go with a tour guide with a flashlight and go throughout the property or you can do a ghost tour which is an overnight tour 
um, and you can actually investigate um, with several groups. And it is the most beautiful location I've ever been to. I'm just in love with the place and it's so highly recommended. So if anybody can get out there, please do. It is in Radford, Virginia. Um, it's literally a, a lifesaver for me. Like when I found that place, cause I'm like, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and right. so it's definitely one, um, a Hawthorne hotel in Salem, Massachusetts, one of the most beautiful hotels I've ever been in. The history is just astounding and talking about haunted. It is definitely one of the most haunted hotels out there. It is very, very active. I stayed one of the most haunted rooms there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The activity that we got. I mean, the bathroom door shutting, lights turning on. We heard footsteps um, going from one room to another. Bunch of EVPs, our K2 meters lit up like crazy when we were asking questions. It is a fabulous place. What do you think it is that creates these these places you know obviously i think anything could be haunted at in some particular way maybe not but what do you what do you think it is is it the history of the place is is it just you know obviously these places have been around for a very long time maybe there's not one specific thing but like at least like maybe in your opinion what do you think it is that attracts the paranormal and creates these sort of like historic places that people are going on tours and visiting Definitely the history, no doubt. Um, for example, like St. Albans, it was a boys' school um first. So uh, they had a lot of boys there and the teachers were not very nice. Um, and the kids were not very nice to each other. A bunch of children end up dying um on the property. Then it became a sanatorium and they wanted to be the better sanatorium and not do the things that all the other sanatoriums on the East Coast were doing or pretty much anywhere, but they started, you know, doing lobotomies and water therapy and um, electroshock. And it just created a very harsh environment um, for these, for these people. Um, Of course, a lot of people died. Um, And I think that that energy stays when you have that much happen in a location that stays on the property. Um, I mean, I think about um, like battles and wars, like Gettysburg. I mean, you go up to Gettysburg and you can see soldiers during the day still moving along because they don't know that they're gone because they're still in battle. Um, it's it's that feeling of like we still have to do the things that we are doing while we're living because we're not finished. Um, so it does create that environment. Yes. So, and again, I'm not saying anything like groundbreaking here, but it obviously trauma, you know, violence or mistreatment of other humans by, you know, adults or whatever it is. It it always, a a school just seems like a perfect place to be haunted, like an old abandoned school. Like it, it just has that like vibe to it, unless there is some dramatic instance, there's a less chance, I guess, of it becoming like a haunted paranormal place. Like you're not going to like a, a well-lit, beautiful garden and there's like ghosts there. Are there, are there like happy places that are haunted? Does that exist? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think there's so many happy places that are haunted. I mean, we have so much history, especially on our lands. I mean, there are cases 
that new brand new houses are being built on the land right and a brand new home gets haunted and it's because the land you know i think we stick to what we know um in the even in the afterlife if there's a place that we love we're going to we're going to stay there because that's our comfort zone um, just like humans, we have our comfort zones. We have that, I believe, after we pass on. If a house gets tore down and then a new house gets built or whatnot, or if something happened on that land previously, it can potentially be haunted because that spirit is still going to be there because they're attached to that area. Yeah. I mean, you just never hear of like, you know, in a, a water park is haunted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just like people are just like out in the sun everyone's running around kids are screaming it's just a good time and you're like oh yeah this place is also very haunted <laughs> you, you just don't hear that well disneyland disneyland is, is disneyland very, haunted very very haunted yes yeah. disneyland is very haunted <laughs> there's been a see- lot of deaths at disneyland yes on the ride ah, sure yeah see <laughs> that makes sense even before even without even just like the death Disneyland's got a vibe. There's just yeah. like, and again, the history too. Disney, you know, Disney's been around for so long. There's so much history there that 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 makes sense. All right, so I, I guess a, a, a cheerful amusement <laughs> park could also be haunted. I like that. I, I just, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't, I want these, I want these ghosts and and paranormal, you know, activities to be happening. I want them to mix it up. I want, <laughs> I want, I want to be able to go experience it but not have to be at a graveyard at three in the morning. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, our, our Kroger's in town. Um, <laughs> Your Kroger's is haunted? Our Kroger's. Um, yeah, there was that. an old music park back in the seventies and eighties. Um, and there was a roller coaster and a maintenance guy um, went under the roller coaster and it oh, killed them. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it is. Someone has seen a man walking the parking lot at Kroger's. <laughs> That's not there. He'll go and he'll disappear. Yeah. I do love the idea of just somebody like trying to get some fresh fruit and there's just like a ghost walks by. That makes me really happy. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I would that I would be into that. If somebody was like, how is that? How is I think we just came up with a million dollar idea. The haunted grocery store. People yes. go to experience ghosts and paranormal and they also could get their groceries groceries at the same time you can investigate (laughs) and shop at the same exact time i love the idea two for one (laughs) i i mean somebody write that down please i'm not going to remember that somebody write that down and tell me that i said that and then nicole me and you are going into business together that's oh i am all for it let's go right after this (laughs) (laughs) one of the one of the other things that we discussed before um you know this interview we had we had a really a couple of good back and forths. Obviously, we've been we've been talking for a little while, setting this interview up and and talking about ideas. And I like I mentioned, this is our haunted holiday episode, and the holidays, of course, involves g- getting gifts and giving to others. And so, one of the things I was curious about, and and that you brought up, which I thought was such a great idea, was maybe putting together some sort of holiday gift list. For somebody who's looking to maybe enter the world of paranormal investigating, uh, you you've sort of put together a, a a a wish list, I guess, of of maybe some some beginner tools that that people could maybe get 
for a friend or you know a loved one that that they know is is looking to maybe be more involved in this world yeah absolutely yes. i have my awesome. list um, i would love to hear it the first one and probably the first thing that i ever got and that any panel investigator who's starting out should get is a k2 meter is the electronic device that measures frequency so it lights up um, different colors from green, yellow to red, if there is any type of energy that's nearby. Um, it's so good. I love it. You don't need anything extravagant. The next thing is definitely a spirit box. Um, a spirit box ghost can can change frequencies of like radio stations. Um, at least that's what we think in the paranormal field. And the spirit can manipulate when you are asking questions. So it is a very cool tool. You can hear spirits talk. It is very fascinating. Um, you can get one off of Amazon or go to Ghost Stop, um, which is a very awesome place for any type of paranormal equipment. Um, the next thing is a REM pod. A REM pod, much like a spirit box, um, it lights up when there's something near it, but it actually has to have a physical touch. So there's an antenna, and if something touches the antenna, it will light up, and it lets you know that something is near it and touching it. So it's a really cool tool. You can get one off of Amazon, and again, it's on Ghost Stop. An easy thing is cat balls. <laughs> And it's like the little balls that cats can play with that lights up. What it does is that you turn it on and you can ask the spirit to play with it. So they can touch it and it will light up. My new favorite toy is called a Boo Buddy. I got it off of um, Ghost go stop too and it's a little teddy bear with a backpack and he turns on and his little arms light up. Um First lights up green and then lights up red if something is touching them. So it's really good for children's spirits. Um, so if you are trying to contact a child's spirit, they love it. Um, I use it a lot at St. Albans because there are several child spirits up there and it's phenomenal and it's really cute. So <laughs> and then um another easy, easy tool is dowsing rods. It's like a little rod that you know, you can ask yes or no questions and it goes one way for a yes, one way for a no. Very easy tool. You can get off of Etsy, Amazon, a lot of sellers, you know, will make their own, which is really cool. So I would say, you know, Christmas time, shop small businesses. So go on Etsy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. My favorite, of course, are Ouija boards. Of course, I never go yeah. anywhere without my Ouija board. Always, if you're going to use it, be safe, cleanse yourself, and make sure you're protected while using it. Um, make sure you say no and cut off the communication if you're using it, just to be safe. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite tools um, and what I used in the very beginning. I was waiting for you to get back to the Ouija board. I'll be my last because, you know, we had to do a yeah. full circle. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That, those all sound like some, <laughs> some really good ways to get started. A, a lot of different ways for people to, you know, get something for somebody and uh, help them get started. And then I would assume, too, that if you're recommending somebody that's that's in like the beginning stages and they maybe want to start going out and exploring, obviously, I would assume a graveyard is a great place to start. Oh, yes, absolutely. I think yeah. that's every beginner's is a local graveyard. Research your graveyard. See 
if they have any type of activity or, you know, see if anything's there. Just explore because um, you never know what you would find. But definitely a graveyard is my number one pick if you're just starting out. It's easy. It's accessible. Um, you're not going someplace you're not supposed to. I love that. And and just quickly here, too, one other thing that we sort of discussed that I was curious about is that you mentioned the idea of haunted objects. <laughs> is that is that something you could get into a little bit? I'm kind of curious to hear more about that. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a haunted object collector as well. Um, I've been collecting haunted objects for the past few years. Um, I have a bunch of haunted dolls who I adore. They're mostly child spirits, which I love. So I treat them like my own. I highly recommend it. If you want to start trying to figure out the paranormal, but you're not wanting to go out there, you just kind of want to do it on your own. Of course, like the Ouija board, always be safe, always do your research. But I mean, grab, you know, a quote unquote haunted doll and just see if you can get anything. Um, yeah. I I fell in love with collecting and one day I would love to open my own um, little museum with haunted objects. Like I said, I have probably yeah. six haunted dolls now. I have a haunted, um, it's like a, I don't even know what you would call it. It was at a funeral home, <laughs> actually here in Virginia. And they used to like hold stamps and stuff. Um, but it was a, came from a very haunted funeral home. Are there certain places that you're going to specifically to try and find like a haunted object? Is it something that like you, maybe you just, sometimes you find things or are, are there like specific places that you're going to find this stuff? Um, You can find people in your general area that may have something, but I do caution you because there's a lot of people that will try to sell something quote unquote haunted to get you yeah. to buy it um, and definitely upsell it. Like I said, with anything, always do your research. If you're looking for say a haunted doll and they have this whole extravagant bio is it's probably fake. Like, you know, most oh, that's people, interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, there's like, there's like warning signs almost. Yeah. It's like it's a red real. light trigger. It's like, mm, and if they're trying to sell it for a bunch of money, you know, yeah. when I started out, I, I didn't pay my dues and I'm like, you know what? I just want something. I just want a haunted doll. And so I didn't pay my dues and, you know, I wouldn't say I got scammed. I love her, but she isn't, she isn't haunted. Um, so I always say learning, got do it. your research. Um, like I said, if there's a whole big thing about the doll is more, that's, that's a red sign, red flag. Don't, don't spend your money on it. Cause most people will not, not do that and I would say contact the seller and be like hey what have you experienced um because yeah, I want to know so and I don't want anything too bad in my house so sure, not, yeah understandable. <laughs> so I want everything to say positive you know I always look for something that's positive I always ask what have you experienced um do you recommend this in my home because I do I do keep these objects in my in my bedroom um, so, sure. you know, a lot of people's like, <laughs> but it's like, it's my safe space and I can control it. I can control the environment. Um, so I always know if something's happening 
And yeah. I can set those boundaries if it is right then and there. Because um, it is like anything else. You have to set those boundaries. I mean, that's the most important thing when getting a haunted object is when you get it, you set those boundaries like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want. You know, if things get crazy or if you're not listening to me, then this will be cut off. Let's say you get a haunted object mm-hmm. and... It's just bringing, you know, negativity, bad vibe. You're just, you got a bad feeling. How do you, how do you get rid of something like that? Cause immediately I, again, my mind, and this is just me going on cliches and movies, you know, it's like, oh, you, you get the haunted doll. You decide this isn't for me. I don't want this in my home. And, you know, <laughs> you, you go out to the dumpster, you throw it the dumpster and then you walk back inside and it's like sitting on the couch. There. Again. <laughs> so is, is there like a process to dealing with a haunted object that you want to get rid of? There is. Um, I always say try to talk to them first. Like anything, it's like almost talking to a human. Like if you have a disagreement with someone, talk to them first and be like, hey, I'm not okay with this. This is not okay. I will not have this in my home. You set those boundaries. If they will not accept those boundaries, then you do have to go to the next step. And a lot of times, um, you find a new owner, um, you will talk to someone that may be better equipped because these people can bring in something a little different, um, that can be better equipped with a, a situation. So you talk to them like, Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. Can you take care of this? Um, and this happens a lot in the paranormal world. Um, and then a lot of times like certain objects, AKA Annabelle, they cannot be saved. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like they get locked in a box and do not touch. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say maybe a wood chipper. You just sort of throw <laughs> it in there. <laughs> Don't do that because like anything, that energy is still going to be there. So you're basically ah. eating the spirit. You what if I, not- what if I got a priest to bless my wood chipper and then I threw it in the wood chipper? Would that do anything? <laughs> and you can try, you can try. <laughs> they have a priest come in and bless Annabelle like every yeah. week, I believe. So, I mean, yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> sure, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was thank a ton you. of fun and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for people to hear this. Me too. And I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. 